0: Hey, Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey, Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey, Amarillo is brought to you by ROI Online. Most business leaders struggle with how to transition from traditional marketing into modern marketing. ROI has a team of experts that makes it easy. They help you make a plan and then do most of the work to set you up for success. ROI can guide you to success at roionline.com. Today's guest is Amy Henderson, and I wanted to talk to Amy for a couple of different reasons. Number one, she didn't grow up here. Amy was a native of Wisconsin who ended up in Amarillo after meeting her husband in the Air Force. The two of them decided to settle here and raise their family here. And then the second reason I wanted to talk to her is because Amy is a commercial loan officer with Amarillo National Bank, and her focus is on small businesses. She serves on the board of the WT Enterprise Center. She also serves on the board of the Small Business Development Center. Uh, And she's a member of Texas Governor Greg Abbott's Commission for Women. So she's involved in a ton of different things. And she heads up the A&B Summit location, which is attached to Palace Coffee at 34th and Coulter. Amy does a lot of stuff. I wanted to talk to her about how she ended up in Amarillo and the small business environment here. And before we start, just a disclaimer, Amarillo National Bank has sponsored this podcast in the past, and they're also one of my local writing clients, in case you care to know all that stuff. Anyway, here is Amy Henderson. Amy Henderson, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thank you. Thanks for being with me today. Um... I want to talk about your job i want to talk about the work you do with emarillo national bank but before we do that let's kind of establish how you ended up here in emarillo in the first place so why do you live here
1: i live here because my husband's all his fault and so i'm gonna blame it all on him Um, my story is two weeks out of high school i joined the air force and i turned 18 in basic training wow and my nickname i probably shouldn't say this in basic training was sweet cheeks Because I looked like a 12-year-old boy. (laughs) And I had an opportunity to have a uh, a TDY to Saudi Arabia. And that's where I met my husband and fell in love and all that kind of good stuff. And when we were both about to get out, he got a job here in Amarillo. He's originally from a small town in southeast Colorado. When he told me he was from Colorado, is it Vigili Mountains? No, it's Amarillo area. And he got a job out in the military. And I packed up my Geo Metro and told my mom I was moving to Texas.
0: So where did you grow up?
1: In Wisconsin, in okay. Eau Claire.
0: And did you have any idea, you know, somebody growing up in Wisconsin, about the Panhandle or Amarillo, anything like that? Had Did you have any preconceived ideas?
1: I had no idea what Texas was. I had no idea at all. Um, so when my husband got a job here in Amarillo, I followed. Amarillo felt a lot like my hometown. And my hometown in Eau Claire was uh, a bigger city, agriculture surrounding it, um, had a, a small town like Lake Tinglewood called Lake Wissota. I mean, so it has, was very, very similar in feeling. So it kind of felt like home already when we got moved here.
0: Had you always wanted to be in the military, or was that a late decision?
1: That was a late decision. I knew I wanted to go to college. Um, didn't know quite how to get there in high school. My grades were good, but not good enough to get scholarships. Being a girl, me and my girlfriend took the, one of the ASVAB tests, and I scored well, and they started pursuing me, and it seemed like a good idea. So what did you do? I was an information manager, which doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, It's clerical. Um, I did a lot of office work, but the opportunities it gave me, my first base was in Ramstein in Germany. Spent two years in Germany, did a lot of traveling. And then my other base was in uh, in McDill, which is Tampa, Florida. So really good bases for a single girl to be at. Mm -hmm. And then the opportunity in Saudi Arabia where I met my husband.
0: And what was he doing at the time?
1: He was in civil engineering working on big refrigeration units.
0: But this was during like desert shield Desert operation Storm. yeah
1: operation southern watch okay where they're watching the two parallels
0: okay and what kinds of things did did you learn you know being in the military was was it good for you like personally professionally
1: i think it was good for me to learn um, some self-discipline it was a kind of safe environment to grow up at i mean we had fun we had co-ed dorms i mean to me it was a lot like what college life would be like um, except you had to be accountable. And you still had to get up. You still had a job to do. If not, they're knocking on your door and you still had to be physical fit. So you still had those perimeters So you had to be in, but you also had open lanes also to grow as an individual. And then having those opportunities to travel, I think, really broadened my mind and helped me develop into the person who I am today, which at that time I was too young. I didn't realize I was just drinking German beer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the process of coming back here uh, your husband getting a job and just moving to a brand new place that you didn't really know. What was what was that like? Yeah,
1: I, I'm not sure how to answer that. I think I just went through the motions. I was I just got out of the military. I thought I knew everything, which I didn't know anything at that time. But you'd
0: been moving around a lot with the military yeah, exactly. anyway. So you so, weren't really planted anywhere.
1: No, I wasn't planted anywhere. I knew I didn't want to go back to Wisconsin. Um, so Amarillo seemed like a great town. I got a job then at entry-level positions at Amarillo National Bank and started going to Amarillo College.
0: What was the, the first job that you had at the bank?
1: I was a title clerk.
0: And what does that mean?
1: <laughs> that means when you buy a new vehicle, if it needs any title work, you know, transfer the title, your vehicle title from the previous person's name into your name, or making sure that Amarillo National Bank was a lien holder, that was, that was my job.
0: What was your impression of Amarillo, you know, moving here out of the military, a young married person, no kids? I mean, what, what was the city like?
1: I think at that time, we were really poor. Um, at that time, there wasn't really a whole lot to do, I didn't think. I mean, we were kind of out of the bar scene, so we didn't want to go to the bars and hang out. And we didn't couldn't afford to go out to eat. So really, at that time, there wasn't much to do if you're kind of in between that area in your life.
0: You didn't have kids nope. for a while? No kids for a while. Um, My
1: husband's going through the fireman's Academy. I was going to Emerald College. And we were just trying to make ends meet at that time.
0: Did you have a sense of what you wanted to do with your life at that point? I mean, did did you get into the banking world going to AC? I mean, did, did you were you looking at something like that or were you just kind of, this is a job that'll get me through until something else happens?
1: I think in the beginning, it was a job to get me through until something else happens. I knew I wanted to um, finish my degree. I went, um, um, starting at Emerald College, I was going for an accounting degree and I didn't want to take cost accounting. So when I transferred to WT, I, I changed to finance, and being at the bank, um, the bank was kind of similar with employees and officers, kind of listed and officers kind of had that same feel of class separation, not class separation, but you know, division in the bank, and I really liked that, and I had some good role models at the bank, so after um, I graduated from Emerald College, I went to WT, and I transferred to different positions at the bank, mm-hmm. then that's where I decided I really had the I knew I could see
0: the opportunity to move up once I got my degree. And what was your degree in from WT? Finance. Did you enjoy it? I mean, is, is that something that I, I guess that that you have a talent for or that you I like doing? I think
1: so. I enjoy it. I enjoy it very much. And it's uh, a great degree for what I'm doing now, You know, dealing with money and finance and investments and all that kind of good stuff.
0: Tell me about starting at the bank as A young person you know a person in college i know that a lot of the employees that are in management positions now that are you know upper level positions started you know in the mailroom or as a teller or something like that is you know when you began did you feel like that was a possibility Uh, and was it talked about at work
1: i don't think it was verbalized i you could just know that if you worked hard and a position was open that you can move your way up in the bank
0: did you feel like uh, you know, younger people, college students and that sort of thing, I mean, did you feel pretty valued within the culture oh, yeah, or was it like, well, you guys do these menial jobs and no. we'll do all the important stuff? Um,
1: the really good thing about working at Emerald National Bank, since it is family owned, they really treat the employees like family. And so um, I think I'm very blessed to start it off at Emerald National Bank versus somewhere else because they do take care of their employees so much.
0: So tell me about your, your position now. What you do now
1: i am a commercial loan officer and i specialize in small business um kind of similar to what i was telling you earlier either i help dreams or crush them (laughs) so and my 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 role is i really like to be in the trenches with small business customers and help them grow their business Um, not really as a partner but more of a consultant and it's not really all about the loans it's all about the cash flow you know how can we help them with their cash flow to help them grow their business Because really, if you think about the big picture, if small business customers succeed, it helps the whole ecosystem here in Amarillo. If they're successful, they put more money in the bank. The bank's more successful. They provide jobs. It just feeds the whole ecosystem.
0: Tell me about the relationships that a small business owner develops with a loan officer. I, I know that people, unless they have gone through that process, probably don't understand important it is or understand even what it means to be a loan officer so tell me like if somebody is starting a small business Mm -hmm. tell me where you step in and and what you do
1: so i just recently i have a customer come in they want to open up a new business they just moved moved here they never owned a business before Um, in the beginning i'm the last stop they want to make but the first stop too because i know the resources here in amarillo Um, they need a business plan they need to figure out how they're going to start the business what their startup costs are um, how they're going to run the business who's going to do the books and if you never owned a business before you're not sure where all that is so i'll direct them over to the small business development center they can start holding their hand with business 101 classes and get their business plan put together and then if they need investors at that time uh, and then they can circle back to me and then we look at Real national banks the asset-based lenders so we look at what we can lend if they're even lendable at that time sometimes they're not ready and i have to say no
0: and that's a result of like the business plan business plan
1: um credit scores they may have some personal debt issues may have some personal credit issues um we're not going to take 100 percent of the risk they may not even have cash to put into it with them and so i tell them i kind of go over what we're looking at and kind of work with them if you do x y and z and come back then maybe i can help you at that time and some people come back and some people don't and not everybody's meant to own a business. So if they don't come back, maybe that's a good thing for them. But you don't want to set them up for failure either.
0: Talk to me about just the overall climate here in Amarillo for a small business owner. I mean, even if it's somebody who moves here and thinks, I I want to try this. I want to start something new. The quality of life here is good. And so I want to try to plan a business. I mean, is, is it overall a good good environment for that sort of thing to happen?
1: I think it's a very good environment. Uh, Amarillo is a very entrepreneurial town. There's people, people out there who want to see them succeed. And if they get plugged in with the right people on the network, I mean, there's uh, the small business development centers, the WT Enterprise Center, all these different networking opportunities that they want to see them succeed. And so I think Amarillo is a great place to start a business.
0: Can we talk about where we're recording this right now? Sure. So we are at the Emerald National Bank Summit location, yes. which is attached to Palace Coffee Shop. There's not a door between the two, it's just all sort of a free-flowing mm-hmm. type of environment. Tell me how that sort of came about and, mm-hmm. and why this really unique workplace.
1: Um, it was uh, came together about two years. Emerald National Bank had the lease on this building, Keller Williams moved out, and what are we gonna do with this building? Um, and they're like, well, we can move Amy Henderson out there. And I'm like, well, that's great. But let's rethink that. Just because I moved out there doesn't mean that also I'm going to have this wealth of new customers. Mm-hmm. What, I really wanted to think about what drives customers to to me. And that's when I was thinking about the conference rooms that we have here. I was thinking about millennials and um, new business owners who are doing starting business off their laptops who are sitting at Palace Coffee. How do I get in front of those people? How do I at least start building a relationship with them? Because they don't even know they need a relationship with a bank because they're on their laptop. Mm -hmm. Um, This is not a unique concept. Uh, Chicago and New York, they have uh, Capital 360 cafes. We're kind of doing the similar thing where they're mirroring up with a bakery or a coffee shop to get in front of those customers that normally wouldn't will not come to a bank because they're doing everything online and so that was kind of my vision for that we asked palace to come and sublease from us and then we talked about the conference rooms the conference rooms in my vision was a place for professionals to have a place to have a meeting it was another opportunity for me to build relationships with somebody who may not have a relationship already with amiral national bank or provide office space i have um, the Symphony in here. I have Emerald College. We have a lot of different people utilizing these rooms. And and they can
0: just reserve those rooms. Yep,
1: they're free.
0: Yeah, for free. You do and not
1: have to bank with us. I would love for them to eventually. Uh, we have some churches that use it because they don't have office space. Um, and so eventually I'll probably get their business.
0: I, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, those millennials, the people who are you know, using a coffee shop as sort of their office, they're Coffice. doing their work online, <laughs> you know, um, I know photographers or writers or mm-hmm. um, designers that do that sort of thing. Tell me about why when they've got this really stripped down business model, like where can a bank or a loan officer like you help them? What, what kind of value can the bank provide?
1: They still need a bank you know, to have a checking account, have the basic services that we have. And we have all the same online services than the, the regional national banks do. So we we can offer that. We can offer fantastic customer service. Um, if they just need somebody something to bounce off, they can come in my office anytime and say, look, I have this business idea. What do you think about it? Um, it's not necessarily all about the loans. Mm-hmm. And the loans come with the relationship later on. So if they have This business idea, and I go, well, have you talked to so-and-so at the Enterprise Center, or have you talked to, um, I know, some angel investors, and then it builds that relationship. And then from there, if they do need some type of lending later on, it's an easier piece. We've already talked about it, already know about their business model, and then we could talk about how we can make that fit into a business loan.
0: Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about some of the other things that you're involved with. I know that uh, you mentioned the, the Small Business Development Enterprise Center. You've yep. been pretty involved with a lot of that. I'm on both advisory boards. Okay. Um, and then I, I also know that you are on the Governor's Commission for Women. Yes. Uh, tell me about that, what, what that commission is and, and how that happened.
1: Um, this is my second year appointment. And two years ago, I had the governor's office call me which I'm very honored. And I'm not sure really how that all came about or how they called me, Amy Henderson, where um Amarilla has a lot of powerful women in it. Um, and for them to pick me, if the governor's office calling me, I'm gonna call them back. Yeah. And they kind of directed me into filling out the application for the commission for women. And I did that and they called me and I'm on the, uh, on the board now. And then I'd just been recommissioned for another two years. And the Women's Commission is uh, focusing on three initiatives for the governor. The first one is to make Texas the number one for, for women-owned businesses. California's number one right now, and I think probably because of the sheer, sheer size of it, mm-hmm. but we're, we're catching up with them. Um, the second initiative is human trafficking, which is a huge issue, I guess, in Texas. Um, just recently in the news, I heard that Midland had a sting and arrested a bunch of people. Um, And then the third issue is to help Houston rebuild. Um, I feel like I'm gonna be very impactful with number one, with my job. And I'm already, I think already doing the initiatives of the governor
0: with trying to help small business owners open. Right, I mean, that's something you're doing already. Yeah, exactly. Does it involve, like, meetings? Do you have to go to Austin every once in a while? I mean, how does that work? So the
1: Governor's Commission, they are meet once a quarter, and they talk about different initiatives and how they're going to lay those out. And then being an advisory board, the Small Business Development Center, uh, we meet biannually. And then the WT Enterprise Center, they meet probably quarterly. They kind of call meetings when they need them.
0: With, uh, with the focus, uh, whether it's just you know the, your focus based on your position at the bank or with the, the governor's commission, I mean, why is it important for women-owned businesses, small businesses? Why is that something that we need to focus on in Texas? Why is it something important to focus on in Amarillo? Because
1: it helps the economy. Just like what I mentioned before, um, it all feeds back into itself. So if entrepreneurs, women or men, um, if they're successful, they produce jobs, they um, pay sales tax, and it just feeds all back to um, the ecosystem here in Amarillo. So if they're successful, we're all successful. And so that's why I feel it's so important, whether it's women, which is my focus too, um, but all entrepreneurs.
0: For women, particularly, a lot of uh, maybe misconceptions about banking or about business and stuff uh, might be that it's sort of a good old boys club, you know, that you've got to know the right people. And, and it's, you know, guys controlling all the money. Mm-hmm. Is is that something that you feel is changing, you know, with with our generation, with, you know, the, the growth here in Amarillo? Is, is that something that's getting better?
1: I think it is getting better, you know, but Amarillo is still very close-knit. And I don't think it's the good old boys. Um, it's just being close-knit community where you really need to get plugged in and um, just network and get to know people, because it's all about relationships. And so some of those people who have been here for a very long time, um, their businesses are very generational, they already have that network established, so it may be perceived as a good old boy network, but really they just have that network already established. Um, So it may be perceived hard to kind of break into that, but once you do, it's just all about relationships, in my opinion.
0: You know, you you sort of, Ended up in Amarillo. I, I don't get the feeling that
1: it was on a destination. You decided,
0: okay, this is this is what we're going to do. But you've been here for twenty plus years. Mm-hmm. So why? I mean, why have you stayed around?
1: We've stayed because this is home now. We're raising our kids here. That, um I think because it is such a close knit community that you always know everybody. And uh, what I found in Amarillo is that if um, you know someone's hurt or if there's an issue or a cause, the next thing you know, there's a a food train, people are going to come and donate meals. People just really want to take care of their neighbors here still in Amarillo, and I think that's what keeps us here. Um even as now we're kind of entering our second stage in our life, you know, what are we going to do after the kids go to college? Um we probably will stay here in Amarillo and travel because Amarillo's home.
0: And it's it's not something necessarily that you feel like you need to get away from? Or?
1: No, because everything's so close. I mean, that's a really unique thing about Amarillo. If you want to go to Elba Creek's it's four, four hours away. You want to go to Taos, it's you know five hours away. So everything's so close. If you want to go, go, and then you come back home.
0: Uh, I want to ask one more question uh, in this section, um, just because it, it's come up a couple of times in other conversations with people about what makes Amarillo special and, and what they like about it. But Tell me about working at Amarillo National Bank and sort of the, the history and the culture there. I mean, you're the first A&B employee that I've interviewed. They've been a sponsor of this podcast in the past. But um, tell me about the bank as like a, a citizen of this community. I think
1: it's a great citizen of this community. Um, I think it's very unique to be part of a family-owned business. Um, that cares about its employees, and it cares about the community that they're in. The wares give um, so much back to the community, and they encourage us to go out there and be, I, I don't think I would be as involved as I am now if I didn't have the backing of the wares, of go out, be in the community, be on a board, go give back, and so with that's their culture that they have established in the bank um, for their employees. And really this asks two things of us, be nice and don't steal. Which isn't bad, but really that culture—it's it's pretty basic. Pretty I mean, that's, basic. That's, that's a Don't minimum steal requirement. and be nice. Um, but really, that culture of just giving back to the community—they ingrain it into all of the officers and even the employees. They encourage everybody to go out there and donate their time and their energy into back to the community.
0: And so, beyond you know the boards that you've served on and things like that, I mean, do you and your family volunteer in, in any other types of places or?
1: We spend all of our free time playing hockey. Okay. <laughs> I know hockey is kind of...
0: Big, big sport in Amarillo. It is, is Well, it
1: kind of it's is. It's actually...
0: It is becoming bigger, right? It's
1: growing. Both my kids play hockey, my son and my daughter. Um, and I really enjoy kind of being part of that hockey tribe, as we call it. Um, it's really close-knit of people. We've watched the kids go from four-year-olds all the way up to high school. We don't have ice year-round, so we really have to fight for our hockey. And we do a lot of traveling. Um, So you get to be really close friends with these other parents. Um, But we've enjoyed it. It's great for my kids um, to learn some really good life lessons, how to play as a team, how to lose as a team. Um, If you don't get to play, work harder. And we have some good coaches.
0: So tell me what that's like. If if a kid wants to play basketball, you know, there's school gymnasiums. There's basketball courts everywhere. If they want to play soccer, obviously you can do that everywhere. Mm -hmm. But what happens if you do want to play hockey and you want to practice? I mean, tell me about trying to find... You know, ice that that you can play on. It's
1: it's very difficult because once the bulls are done, the ice goes away, mm-hmm. and so really we want to see our own sheet of ice someday where we have ice year round. Um, just me and my husband are planning on our summer, and our summer is based around what hockey camps we're going to send the kids. They're uh, week long. Uh, we're going to go to Albuquerque, go to Rio Rancho, um, one of the camps that Austin Stutter is putting on. And I, like our whole time and our whole money is based around where are these hockey camps that we're going to send our kids in the summer to keep up their hockey skills.
0: Do you see the culture growing enough in Amarillo to where there is a permanent you know, resource, a, a permanent ice rink that people can use?
1: I'm hoping so. It's growing um, to see our Learn to Play Kids, to have one of our biggest um, amount of kids in there from the little ones that are coming up. I think it's coming. Um, I just don't know what that looks like in the future, but I really feel like it's time that we have our own sheet of ice dedicated, whether we become a nonprofit and raise the money or someone donates that. I mean, that's kind of outside of my realm right now with the hockey organization. But I think it's important to keep the program going that we eventually get our own sheet of ice.
0: The lead sponsor of Hey Amarillo is ROI Online. Now I come from a marketing background and during my career, I learned two things. Number one, marketing is essential because it's the story you tell the world about your company. And number two, marketing is usually the last thing on your mind when you're running a business. Maybe you're leading a company, you've got to be thinking strategically, or maybe you're deeply involved in some form of production. Whatever the case, you don't have time for the details of marketing. You don't have time to do social media or build an email list or keep a website up to date. That's why you need ROI online. This local group of marketing experts will come alongside your business to help tell your story. So you get an entire team of people who are invested in building your brand, but you don't have to manage them. You don't have to babysit them. They'll do the heavy lifting while you focus on the bigger picture. And the results speak for themselves. To learn more about how ROI Online can help your business, visit ROIOnline.com or follow them on Instagram or Facebook. ROI Online, leading the modern marketing movement. Okay, I'm back with Amy Henderson of Amarillo National Bank. Amy, this is the part of the podcast I call Eight Straight. Okay. I'm going to ask you eight straight questions, and as my guest, your job is to answer those questions. Okay. If you don't answer them, it'll be a really awkward podcast okay. interview. So answer those in whatever degree of detail you'd like to. Um, the first one, and, and we've covered a little bit of, of this anyway, but... Uh, I want to know, you're you're the first A and B employee I've talked to. So what do you like most about Amarillo National Bank?
1: Um, the culture, the parties, and of course, the summit location. I love having my office
0: out here. Do you like just walk out and have a break time and go right to the coffee bar and, and order something? Is it like a permanent supply of coffee?
1: I am addicted to Palace Coffee. I have meetings um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday downtown. And I'm always late because I stop here first. And get coffee.
0: Like, do you just walk in and they they start making it? And yeah, they it ready know. For yeah. You? yeah, they know me. Okay. That's like the ideal, I think. Yeah,
1: and that, I know all the people out in the um in Palace are so my Palace friends, and I don't know their names, but we smile at each other every morning, and um, they're my friends. They're my coffee friends. Your coffee friends.
0: <laughs> What's your all-time favorite Amarillo restaurant?
1: No, I have three.
0: Okay, let's do three.
1: Um, Yellow City Street Food. Okay. Five Seven Five Pizza, and Texas Firehouse. Okay. I love them all.
0: Those are three very different restaurants. Well, if you want
1: pizza, where are you going to go? Five, seven, five. Okay. If you want some cold beer and some good deep fried green beans, then you want to go to Texas Firehouse. If you want some really good food, um, I love Yellow City Street food. That's my favorite. Do
0: you have a favorite order at YCSF? Like one of their regular dishes on um, the, the, the menu? The animal
1: fries, which not skinny food at all, and um their aha tuna that they made one time was delicious. But every time I got there, they have just really good food. Okay. Really good vibe. I like it.
0: What does this area have too much of? Wind. <laughs> okay. It's not a surprising answer. No. It's springtime in the panhandle.
1: Um, you know, I was thinking, is it too much restaurants or too much? I don't think we have too much of anything except for wind. In my opinion
0: i think a lot of people here probably share that opinion you're not going out on a a limb or anything with that no what does this area not have enough of
1: trees (laughs) um trees and i think stuff to do but that's coming along with town square and um, the downtown revitalization and the ballpark um, and then um, the zip line over there at Route 66 and Starlight Ranch, mm-hmm. I th- I, all that stuff's coming. I think it's coming, so I'm not even worried about not having enough to do anymore because it's coming.
0: Compare, um, you mentioned trees, and you know, compare the geography of this area to Wisconsin where you grew up. Is that is that something that you had to get used to? I'm very
1: used to, it because in Wisconsin it's rivers and rolling hills and green. And trees, um, just completely different. Uh, out here is very open, very windy, um, but the sunsets and the sunrises are beautiful.
0: Do you feel like I've noticed before? I grew up here, was born here, and so when I go places that have a lot of trees or have a lot of buildings, I mean I could be in New York City or you know some forest, and I, I feel sort of relieved when I get back out into the open because I can see for a long way. So like no trees is sort of a default for me. I mean, do you find yourself, have you, have you reset to that default or do you still like that enclosure of having trees everywhere and rolling hills and all that stuff? I
1: really miss trees. Yeah. I really do. And I think it's just how I grew up. But I love Amarillo though. Um, I love the open spaces and the sea. The, like I said, the sunrises and the sunsets are gorgeous. And you can't have that in Wisconsin because there's trees everywhere. <laughs>
0: okay what question about amarillo do you get asked most by outsiders so like if you're you know in austin doing something or you're Mm -hmm. at an event in california i mean do you get houston Um, yeah i mean is is there a certain question that people ask you
1: they don't know where amarillo is they've heard of amarillo but they don't know where Amarillo is so you have to kind of you know say this is the state of texas the really part that looks like a square we're in the middle that's amarillo and so people don't know where amarillo is they know the name they just don't know the location
0: when was the last time you visited Paladura Canyon?
1: Last summer. Uh, we got mountain bikes um, two years ago for Christmas family gift. And that was our whole goal is to go down to Paladura more and let the kids go on the trails and get good exercise and be out, be outside.
0: So do you do it? And is that something you try to do at least every if, summer? Or? Every
1: summer, uh, s- some summers are better than others. So but we have our bikes and we'll twirl around in Amarillo. But we, I love going out to Paladura Canyon.
0: What's your favorite kind of Amarillo weather
1: yesterday? When it was low eighties and no wind,
0: it was beautiful. That's my Amarillo weather. Did you ever have days like this in Wisconsin? I mean, is is it, I, I know there's a lot of snow. It's really bitter cold in the winter. I mean, did you have that sort of nice Amarillo springtime day?
1: We would, uh, but in the summer it's high humidity, so it's different. Which I'll take some humidity
0: right now. <laughs> okay, describe Amarillo in one sentence.
1: A great place to raise a family and build a business. I know that's a little generic, but that's how I really feel.
0: Well, and that's tied into what you have done and tied into what your, your job is, mm-hmm. too. Okay, so that concludes my eight straight questions. I like to end by asking my guests to endorse something. And so uh, this can be anything that you want you know listeners, local people to know about.
1: Sure, I have two endorsements. The first one is actually for the Texas Women's Hall of Fame. Um, they're looking for applications submitted by Friday, April 27th. Um, I was not aware of some past Texas Women's Hall of Fame women. I know that was redundant. Uh, but Margaret Harper of Canyon, who started the Texas um, Texas Heritage Musical, and then Marcia Sharp, um, Joe Stirrett Randall. So there's been really great women from this area that have been um, in the, already in the Texas Hall of Fame. And I would mm-hmm. like to have more nominations um, to nominate some women from the Panhandle. To be in the Texas Women's Hall of Fame. So,
0: what's the nomination process? I mean, how does that work? If, uh-huh. if somebody gets nominated, is is there like a voting board that there decides? There is there's a committee
1: that looks them over and, and decides that I'm not part of that. Um, I think Mrs. Abbott is actually she's okay. on that board.
0: The governor's governor's wife.
1: wife. And they just go to um, gov.texas.gov organizations and women, and they submit an application online.
0: Tell me what kind of what kind of nominees do you think would be good. You know, from this area, not maybe naming specific people, but like who who would fit within that sort of Hall of Fame format?
1: That's a good question. Um, just looking at the past uh, women in the Hall of Fame, you know, Margaret Harper was very impressive. You know, someone who didn't grow up in this area, I'm not, I don't know a lot of the history like that. I think women like Marcia Sharp, um, maybe women who are, I don't think they have to be passed away. women who are already out there with their sleeves rolled up, who are making a difference. Who need to be nominated you know who have established programs or are just out there doing hard work for the better of the area
0: and uh you mentioned that you had one more endorsement
1: i do i'm also on the board for window in a wider world Window in a Wider World, so I'm going to read this, its primary goal is to integrate arts, science, and culture programming into the core curriculum of math, science, language, arts, and social studies. I know that's a mouthful, but what they like to do is um, provide science and arts into the schools, mostly in the rural areas that don't have an opportunity to have art programs. They bring in um, a local artist and a local author, and they provide these programs to kids who don't normally have it, and all the funding's been cut. So schools don't have it in their budgets anymore for arts and even some of the sciences. And we are working on a study with WT that's gonna show that having these programs in school actually improve test scores. So it's a really important program for people to kind of get behind. Of course, we're always looking for donations and people to be part of, it. just to be aware of what we're doing, um, I think it would be fantastic for the endorsement.
0: Amy Henderson, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you. This is great. Thank you.
0: And that concludes today's show. I want to say thanks to Amy Henderson for talking with me for this episode. If you want to learn more about Window on a Wider World, go to windowonawiderworld.org. Um, If you want to nominate somebody for the Texas Women's Hall of Fame, I think that's a great idea. There's plenty of panhandle women who would be a great choice for that. Go to gov.texas.gov and search for the Texas Women's Hall of Fame. Uh, There's a little search box in the upper right-hand corner of that screen, gov.texas.gov. Thanks uh, to ROI Online for sponsoring this episode, and especially I want to thank you for listening. If you like the show, if you enjoy it, please leave a review tell a friend about it, share the love, share the podcast, help me uh, introduce this show to more and more people. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.